Hey, it's Obi Malafano, former safety from UConn, and you're listening on the thin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. Thank you, Solovey. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side. As we approach NFL draft season, we're going to review the safeties here today with Ian Wharton. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Spreaker, and subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Looking at this safety class, kind of very similar to last week when we talked with Ian about the cornerbacks. Very deep class with a couple of guys here at the top, Malik Hooker and Jamal Adams expected to be top 10, if not top five picks in the draft. Then after that, we start to see kind of a cluster afterward uh, with safeties three through 10. So Ian, looking at those two top guys, probably not a big consideration for the Dolphins, but Jamal Adams and Malik Hooker, you're a big Ohio State fan where Malik Hooker went to school. Is this accurate? Do you think these guys should be in the top 10 or the top five? Well, I definitely think Hooker should be in the sense that it's extremely difficult to find uh, the type of safety that can literally transform your secondary. What you can run with Hooker is similar to what Earl Thomas did for for the Seattle Seahawks, and it just it allows your defensive coordinator to really do whatever he wants on that end of things, and it's just it's so beneficial to your short passing game as well as your deep passing game because you can add an extra linebacker or an extra safety in the box while still having that deep protection. So I think he's worth it. Um, Jamal Adams, I, I really like him as a player. I think he's very good at everything, but not great necessarily at anything. And so to me, I don't think he's going to be an elite player. I think he's a first-round talent. I think ideally, actually, he would go close to where Miami's picking, but he's going to be pushed up a little bit. I know the NFL likes him probably a little bit more than me, but I think he's a very solid player, and he'll probably be a guy that that's going to be a good starter for for a decade. But it, mm-hmm. top five, top ten is a little too rich for me. And after you get past the first two guys, one of the more polarizing players in the draft is Jabril Peppers, the safety from Michigan. I, you know, I if I do a mock draft, I don't know, where, I don't know where to put this guy. I had him in my last one going 13th to Arizona. I've had him going middle of the second round before. What's your take on Jabril Peppers? Everybody seems to have a different opinion. Yeah, so I like Jabril Peppers. I'm not head over heels with him. I think if the expectation is for him to come in and as like a first-round pick and be an instant impact type player, I think that he's maybe a little overrated Um, in that sense. I I don't think he's a first-round caliber player. I think he's more athlete than great football player right now, and his production really shows that. And, you know, credit to him for bouncing around multiple positions um, at Michigan, but I don't think he's a versatile player. To me, versatility means being able to play multiple positions at a high level or at least an average level. Well, he wasn't a good cornerback, which is why Michigan moved him from corner. He wasn't a good deep safety, which is why Michigan moved him from deep safety. But he was a very good linebacker type player or or like a box safety in the NFL. And so it's a similar type of position transition. And so I think that's where he's going to play in the NFL. It's a strong safety maybe like a less rangy, um, less talented in coverage version of Rashad Jones. And that's not really to discredit him. There's similar players in the NFL who have found success with that. Um, I compared him to Aaron Williams of the Buffalo Bills, who's been a very successful pro. He's had a good career. Um, I just think when when the expectations is for him to be um, this great single high safety, almost like Malik Hooker, I think that is a little bit more of a projection than I'm willing to make. The athleticism's there, but he doesn't play that comfortably. He doesn't read offenses like that. He doesn't sniff out plays like that. It's just not who he is as a player right now. Maybe that comes in time, but 
generally speaking, that's not, I think that's more of an innate thing than it is something that, you know, comes over time. I mean, Malik Cooker played safety for, you know, two years at Ohio State, and he was making those plays. He was a wide receiver before that. Jabril Peppers, he can't really use that same argument because he was moving around too, but he wasn't producing like that. So, um, to me, it's more of just a of how he understands the game, and and he understands the game better to, and closer to the line of scrimmage, which, for Miami's sake, is not a great value in my opinion. We've talked a little bit about Jabril offline, so I just kind of want to ask you this here. He seems kind of more the jack of a lot, master of none, who almost might need to be a, a very specific schematic fit for a team like Green Bay or or the Patriots. They're going to kind of move him around those couple of spots and not really use him. But maybe even over on the offensive side of the ball may end up being his best fit. I mean, where do you see all that? Yeah, you know, I've I've heard the, the move to running back talk, and, and I – I don't fully disagree with that. He showed actually really special things with the ball in his hands. And so I do think there is actually something to that. And then it wouldn't shock me if some teams look at him as a potential uh, candidate to move to the offensive side of the ball. I don't, I don't hate it. You know, it's just, it's just one of those projection things. And I'm generally, I'm a little bit more conservative when it comes to those type of projections um, than others. And that's not just with peppers, like the other side of the ball, that's even considering like, you're looking at other guys like um, Hassan Reddick, moving him from edge to linebacker. I'm still a little bit more pessimistic than most on that, even though he has the athleticism to do it. So um, I think it's possible. I think someone's going to value him more at safety, though, than they will at running back. And so, I, generally speaking, I don't know how highly you can take him at running back. I mean, fourth, fifth round, maybe third round. He just doesn't really have the tape there. Although he did look explosive when he when he played it. I echo you got your guys' sentiments there on Jabril Peppers. I mean, I see him. I've seen him in a few mock drafts going to the Dolphins at 22, and I just want to throw up. I mean, to me, he is like Rashad Jones, but you can't you can't take a Jabril Peppers, and even though he has we have he has some common characteristics, and assume that he's going to be Rashad Jones. Rashad Jones is the best strong safety in the league, and to automatically think. Peppers can be that uh, is a stretch, and th- that's definitely not what you're saying on that. But yeah, it's it's now when you combine that with you're going to have two Rashad Jones out there, you may have two big hitters, but not anybody who can cover the field well enough to to justify that investment. Ian, looking at the rest of the safety class, the two other guys really stuck stick out. One of them is uh, has actually been on the show before, Obi Melifonwu, the safety from Connecticut. I know we talked a little bit about him last week, maybe getting a few looks from other teams as a cornerback as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Miami was one of those teams, um, as I had mentioned. But if they're looking at him as a, a free safety, I think that would be a really potentially fun matchup with Rashad Jones. It would definitely give them an, a, a great blend of athleticism and size and speed and versatility, the ability to do multiple looks. It's a little bit difficult for me to see Miami investing that highly in a safety just considering the other investments that they've made at the position, um, IAQ obviously he's not with the team, but you know they gave him more of like a mid-level contract. Nate Allen didn't get a big payday from Miami. Uh, the kid they just signed from the Rams, it's not like he got a, a huge contract either. So it, you know it doesn't look like Miami wants to put a ton into that position. I think that they're more willing to to be okay with just having a a solid option there. Uh, but Melifonwu, if they wanted to go with that decision, you know, I, I'm not going to dislike it because I think what he can bring to a defense is incredibly unique and probably maybe the most valuable 
strength of the safety class outside of what Malik Hooker brings at the table because his ability to match up one-on-one with tight ends and corners, or I'm sorry, receivers, that athleticism and, and then the potential to play deep safety is, is really tantalizing. So he's a little bit of a project and he's not really a big hitter like you'd expect for his size, but um, you know the, the ability to play man coverage is something that we really haven't seen from many safeties in the, in, you know, the last decade or so. The number five guy seems it seems like everybody does agree, or most people agree, on the top who the top five safeties are. It's just a matter of where they're pegged. Buda Baker seems to be that fifth guy. A little bit on the smaller side, five foot ten, 192 pounds, big playmaker at Washington, and some people think could be the best nickel back in this class. Do you see him as more of a safety or more of a nickel back that can line up there in the slot? Yeah, I like him more as like a slot. Uh, he's basically, to me, um, what I would consider a a slot safety. And so, you know, his biggest strength is going to be playing man coverage, and then being able to to come down eventually play the run in a sense. But I mean, he's he is a smaller guy, and there's not a lot of good small safeties that really last a long time. You have to worry about their durability. You know, that that's certainly something that that teams have to consider, and they will consider, and it's going to hurt his draft stock. But he is a good player, and he is one of the better playmakers. Uh, in the class, he really plays the ball well. He didn't have a ton of turnovers, and to me that, again, is just going to kind of keep him out of uh, the first-round mix. But I do think he is a solid player, and, and his ability to play multiple looks, he can play single high, even though he's not a turnover forcer. He's still a guy that's going to close passing windows, break up uh, a couple passes here and there that, that maybe he shouldn't have been able to get to. He didn't test extremely well at the Combine. That is a small concern for me. It's why I've got him in uh, in the day two mix as well. He wasn't really a guy that blew you away with the stats, and he didn't blow me away at the Combine. Um, so to me, that's more of a day two player, but he does have great tape. And I think he's going to be a really nice complimentary piece for someone. It seems you've got four or five other safeties here. In some way, it's kind of pick your flavor with this group. So you've got Marcus Williams out of Utah. You've got Marcus May out of Florida, Desmond King out of Iowa, Josh Jones out of NC State, Justin Evans out of Texas A&M. Out of that group, how do you who do you put more toward the top and more toward the bottom? So I would actually put the guy, a guy that actually you didn't mention, and that just speaks to, again, the class depth. Um, Eddie Jackson out of Alabama would probably be my top guy of that next tier of safeties. Um, kind of a forgotten player because of the the leg injury at Alabama, uh, but he was one of the best defensive weapons in the country the last two years. He literally has the experience that would be perfect for Miami, playing cover three, playing cover four, playing deep, playing in uh, in half half field assignments. He's decent against the run. He's not great, not stellar, and that's why he's not a you know round one, maybe not even in a round two pick. But he is a very good defender when the ball is in the air has really good speed defensive captain for that Alabama defense as well I actually think he would be the best fit for Miami on day two Um, but then it's it is it's a big mishmash after that I would take out Marcus May um, off the top just because I think he's a little bit more of a safe option and more of like a rotational type safety more of like a a cover two type of, of guy and I think those guys are a dime a dozen that's not really anything against Marcus May it's just it's easy to find safeties who play that to play that position. I think there's there's a handful of those guys every single year. But I really like, like I said, I mentioned Eddie Jackson. Marcus Williams is probably my next favorite out of that class for Miami. And Justin Evans is similar in that vein. Neither of them is great run defenders either. They're a little bit too soft. 
in that regard. But with Rashad Jones, again, it's not going to be the priority. You're not going to be asking him to do that. You're going to be playing them towards their strengths. They're both good in, in, in cover one, cover three situations. So, again, covering ground while the ball is in the air. Now they're not, again, this is what's keeping them out of the top five, top ten, first-round mix as opposed to Hooker. They're not forcing a ton of turnovers off of those plays. You're not seeing the elite speed. You're not seeing the amazing closing ability, the, the circus catches. And that's okay. There's still value to guys who can get there and make it a very difficult catch or, or potentially break it up, even if they're not forcing a turnover. Um, those are guys that I would definitely expect to get playing time early in their careers. I would throw in Tedrick Thompson into that too from Colorado. He's he's actually probably the worst run defender of them all. But if you're not asking him to play run defense, then I mean that then that's not going to be an issue. And that's the thing is you can do that. Like you can manipulate it to where if he's the last line of defense anyways, you were screwed to start. And someone else and probably two or three other players missed their assignment before he ever got to Tedrick Thompson or uh, or Justin Evans especially in the secondary. So you've already failed if, mm-hmm. if those guys have to make that tackle. Um, but the rest of the guys, that you know, Rayshon Jenkins, Marcus May, Josh Jones. Josh Jones is more of, I think, just more like an upside guy, really fast, but very uncontrolled. He needs to kind of rework how he plays and uh, be a little bit more efficient with his tackling. Um, he needs to be exposed a little bit more too to, to more – pressured coverages and so i'm not sure he's really a great option for miami but um, if they're looking for depth on day three there's definitely going to be some talent there one thing that we've talked about on the show and i can't remember if you and i have talked about it at this point but miami they've got timmons they've got kiko alonzo so they haven't really specified what their roles are going to be and one thought we've talked about i know it's starting to float its way around twitter a little bit too is the possibility of miami grabbing a safety early one like like obi is the example that that i usually use but there's a couple other guys that could fit the mold as well and really just implementing the 425 big nickel package essentially as more of their base defense and being able to do some flexible and fun things particularly when they get T.J. McDonald back. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that scenario. Well, we saw we saw a, number, a lot of that last year, and it's, it's just difficult to do. It, it would be great if Miami could do it, but I think you really have to look at that front four. I, now, I agree that they definitely upgraded the linebacker situation with Timmons. I think both Timmons and Kiko will be more effective because of that pairing, but you still have a massive hole at defensive tackle with Jordan Phillips. Um, as long as he's starting, unless if he transforms who he is, he's not a good run defender. And, and looking at the defensive end situation, you know, Hayes was a really nice pickup, especially for giving up essentially nothing. But, you know, Branch isn't really giving you much in the run game. So they're, defensively, before the safety position, you're going to be counting on Jones possibly as like a, a box safety, which I think just kind of neuters him a little bit. You would really have to get a Cam Chancellor type, I think, to – to really be that that extra linebacker, like that Dayon Buchanan, someone who really excels in the box, um, and that's definitely the role. Whereas with Jones, I just worry that you'd be you'd be losing his real value, especially giving him that much money. I think you want him in coverage and roaming a little bit more than just being a guy who comes downhill. And I think it just at, at the current roster construction, it would leave you a little too bare against the run to sell out against the pass because we saw how that worked last year and even the year before, but especially last year they worked to. They played the four-two-five more often, and granted, it wasn't with the same caliber of of linebackers, and and the safety play will imp- will probably improve this year once McDonald comes back, you know, especially. But still, though, it's just it's it's a nice 
thing to use probably like 30, 40% of the time, but I don't think it's going to be your go-to base defense. It's just no one's really doing that successfully. Ian Wharton is joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL Film Study. Also buy his uh, magazine. You can find Ian Wharton's magazine in the show notes after we post this on the Fin site on the Facebook page as well. And Ian, half of the proceeds go to, tell us a little bit more about that organization again. Yeah, Cure PSP. Um, it's a, a great organization, um, great charity that works with individuals and helps give opportunities to individuals with neurodegenerative um, diseases. So, you know, obviously you know, I've, it's definitely hit close to home for me. And so I definitely recommend checking them out. Um, they, they offer a lot of support, offer a lot of resources for the families of those that are, are suffering from that. So, yeah, like I said, all uh, 50% of all proceeds are going to go towards them at the after the draft concludes and start to wrap up draft sales and, and really excited to make that uh, type of donation to them. Well, Ian, thanks again for all you do. Thanks again for joining us here tonight as we break down the safety class for the Miami Dolphins and for the rest of the NFL. And as Brian Miller used to say, if it's not on the left side and it's not on the right side, it is on the fifth side. Solo D, take us out. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.